Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Matthew chapter 15 verse 2 reads as follows. First of all, I'm going to read verse 1 to give you who was in this conversation. And then we'll read down to verse 3 and go down to verse 8. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus. Notice the scribes and the Pharisees, they came to Jesus. This is what they said. Why do your disciples, more specifically, he was calling out Jesus' disciples, his followers, those who take heed to his teaching, transgress the traditions of the elders. Well, they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Interesting that they would actually talk about one aspect, and it was that they observed them not washing their hands when they ate bread. And then in verse 3, he said this. He answered and said to them, why do you? Remember that you got to be careful when you try to call out Jesus. Because you call out Jesus, Jesus may call you back out. And you may not like his response. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Isn't it interesting folks to try to call you out? And don't think about all the stuff they ain't doing. But don't think Jesus don't know. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 8. These people, Jesus made this statement. These people draw near to me. With their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Based on what I just read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Followers of Jesus or followers of men? It's a question we all got to ask ourselves. And only one's going to know the answer to that other than the Lord is you. And one great thing about God, God will through the help of the Holy Spirit, he would check us and ask us the question, are you following me or are you following man? And that's my question for all of us this morning, for us to look into our heart as we go through the message today and ask ourselves the question, am I following the Lord or am I following man? I'm going to define what that means in just a minute, but just, just stay with me. Stay with me. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, your presence is here and is real. It's touching the people uh, only like you can. Father, open up our hearts this morning to receive your word and help us to proclaim your word, to feed your sheep knowledge and understanding. And we bind the enemy right now that will try to hinder or stop what Jesus is doing. We cast them out. Father, we thank you for our hearts and our minds are open and clear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to his people. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. In looking at today's topic, to follow can be defined as to go or come after someone or something. To move in the same direction to advance with the personal thing that you are following. We can see that uh, these people, or people in general, 
when you follow someone, you're following their teachings, you're following their doctrine, you're following a religious organization, you're following a political party, you're following ideas as well as customs, trends, thoughts, as well as beliefs. In my opinion, at least what I see is the most important person to follow is Jesus. He is the only one that can make our life better. It's almost a guarantee. If you follow Jesus, your life is going to be better. And I commend many of you because some of us are following Jesus better than we did last year, last month, and last week. But I appreciate the fact that we're making a better effort to follow our omniscient God or follow the Holy Spirit. And if a person is going to be a devoted follower, he or she must choose to move in the same direction of that person, that organization, that idea, and such like that they're following. They must make a decision. They must select between two or more possibilities in order to follow our omniscient God. Let me say this to you. God does not make anybody follow him. He he doesn't have to. God does not make anybody follow him. He just lets you know, you either follow me, it's going to make your life better, or you choose not to. I'm not going to make you. Listen, he doesn't have to. He's God. He's our, our Savior. He's Master. He knows everything. He knows everything, and he knows everybody. He doesn't have to make anybody follow him. But that's what makes it so to me, magnificent is when you do follow him, you see your life getting better. When you do choose to follow him, you see things getting better in your life, even though they may, you may go through some trials and tribulations along the way. And whether we realize or not, we can somewhat place our trust in a particular person or idea, not knowing if the outcomes will be favorable or unfavorable in the long term when we follow man. When you, when I mean by trust is, you may have a firm belief, reliability, or confidence, or hope in a person, idea, knowing whether or not that outcome is going to be favorable or unfavorable. But when it comes to following man, we have to be careful, especially when we choose man over Jesus. I pray that you don't do that. I really do. But when it comes to following man, you have to be led by God on this. How much to trust man? How long the trust man and the depth of your trust. You need to be led by God. God needs to talk to you when you follow a man about how long to trust him and what manner you trust them in, the depth of your trust, and how long. Because sometimes God may tell you to trust him for a season. And then he'll say, hey, that's okay. It's time to move on now. I mean, that's life. Life, life going to happen like that. And it ain't in, in, in indictment of you. Sometimes people change. They make decisions where they are not following God anymore. If they're not going to follow Christ, we shouldn't follow neither. It's important to have an example to imitate when it comes to deciding who we're going to follow. And Jesus is our best example of who to follow. That's why John, let's go to John chapter 2, verse 24 and verse 25. The book of John chapter 2. Verse 24 and verse 25. 
Notice what it said. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify a man for he knew what was in man. But Jesus did not commit. He didn't entrust or he wasn't persuaded or wasn't uh, persuaded himself because he knew man. He was acquainted with man. He was he had knowledge about man and have no need that anyone should testify of him for he knew what was in man. And one thing I want to let you know is this man is limited. Man limited. I don't care how smart the man is, he or she is still limited. So God's not going to tell you to put full trust in man because he knows what's in man. And if God knows who made man, we should follow his example. Although he tells not to place our trust in man, we can still find ourselves to sometimes following man more than following Jesus. And I had to admit, I've been guilty of this myself. I have said I'm following, I'm following Jesus, but in actuality, I was following man, because as soon as man got off track, I got mad with man. I got upset with man when man didn't do it the way I thought it should be done. When really I should have been in a position, I should say, hey, he, he or she is human. They're going to make mistakes. How much God do you want me to follow that person or not in that situation or circumstance? Because if I find myself being persuaded away from God, that's not a good thing. And I find myself being upset and you start uh, determining my destiny and my purpose by following you, I'm following you too close. Because if I determine my relationship on Jesus based on you and you don't do like I need for you to do, something wrong with that picture. Because nobody should separate us from the love of God. Now, when it comes to following man, we're, we're not saying, oh, this is what we're saying. Let me say this to you. Let's, let's define following man for a moment because I think we need to understand what I mean by following man. When we say we're following man, we're following man's ideas, doctrines, philosophies, and so forth that are contrary to the written and revealed word of God. Anybody understand that? Watch this again. When I say following man, you're following man's ideas, his strategies, his doctrines, his teachings, and philosophies, and so forth, though are contrary to the written and revealed word of God. That's important to understand. When a man's ideas and his strategies and his concepts and his teachings are contrary to the written and, re- written and revealed word of God, that is something we should not follow. In some situations, it may be subtle in our faults and conversations, but soon our actions, resources, and time align more with the person or group rather than God. Now, there are some good things that God gives us that I believe we all should follow. For example, seed, time, and harvest. Go to Genesis, Genesis 8 and 22. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. We should be individuals who do this. While the earth remains, from sunrise to sunset, in a 24-hour period, seed time, there's seed and there's time. 
There's planting and there's reaping. There's sowing and there's reaping. Notice what he said. And harvest is this. The crop, it is the increase. It is the fruit of your seed. Cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Man will try to convince you not to sow, but to consume it on yourself and well as un- ungodly things. But God may tell you in a 24-hour period, you need to put as much seed in the ground as you need to. And at times, I see may be tangible or intangible. Tangible means this, something you can see and enjoy. Intangible may be like information, knowledge, insight, spiritual insight, something that is relatable as well as relevant. And sometimes we find ourselves suing love, forgiveness, encouragement, prayer, love, sharing God's word, help, and so forth. Something intangible, something you can't put a price tag on, but you're sowing it anyway. Other times, God may tell you to buy that person lunch, sow a tank of gas into their lives, or give a little extra in the birthday card, put an extra $25 in the offering. That is something tangible that you can do. And the deeper we get in our relationship with Jesus, the more we see a need for us to allow the principles of seed time and harvest to work in our lives. We have to learn how to place our confidence on, in God on a daily basis, regardless of what we see, what we hear, and what we think. Let's go to uh, Psalms. Yeah, Psalms 118 and verse 8. Psalms 118 and verse 8. Psalms chapter 118, or the 8118th division of Psalms, and verse 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Boy, that's a powerful statement David made. David made. It is better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better, more beneficial, more prosperous, more favorable, gives you better wealth when you trust, have hope and confidence and make refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And how many of you know that's a true statement? Ooh, good God of mine. So when we look at today's text, some of us need to ask ourselves the question, am I following man or am I following Jesus? Am I following man or am I following Jesus? You know one thing I found out? Sometimes it's a challenge to even follow Jesus. It's a challenge to follow Jesus. How you know, Pastor? Even the disciples had a trouble following Jesus. He said, he, he, uh, he told the folks, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. This, somebody said, this man has lost his mind. Who can eat his flesh and drink his blood? Now, if the disciples had a hard time, you know every now and then you have a hard time too. Everybody understand that? I mean, because if they had a hard time and they had natural Jesus standing in front of them, we, with spiritual Jesus, going to have a hard time every now and then. And we need to understand that and, and sometimes and not get frustrated when it's a challenge to follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even, well, even when we don't quite understand everything that's going on. We don't, and, and again, 
following man is this. We're following his ideas, his philosophies, thinking, strategies, doctrines, plans, and so forth that are contrary to the written and revealed word of God. Now, when you have somebody that's following Christ, like 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 tells you, follow me as I follow Christ, well, you follow that person. Because why? It's not a con- contradiction to the written and revealed word of God. Everybody understand that? And the thing you got to understand, though, you're following man, though. Man going to make mistakes. Man going to do stuff that is contrary. That just develops us as Christians. You know, one great thing I know about following man, it has developed me over the years to be a better Christian. Boy, some of y'all didn't quite get that yet. Following you can be a challenge sometimes because you flash. You make mistakes. I can see you give me a great revelation that I see you do something crazy a little bit later. You be sucking your fingers a little bit later. Is that the same one who gave me that great revelation, gave me that great thought? And then next thing I know, they eat their chicken with their hands. Without a fork? Whoa, what's wrong with that? They putting hot sauce on their chicken? That same one who told me that God is good all the time is sitting here in the store eating with their fingers? Talking about surely a good. Same one. Same one. You're following humans. But that don't mean you, don't, you shouldn't follow humans. You follow humans as they follow Christ. First Corinthians 11 and 1. So we understand that. And one of the things I want to bring to your attention, I don't know, let me go ahead and tell you this one thing I thought was interesting to me. You can know every plan, excuse me, every uh, strategy that a man has, A through Z. You know every last one of them. And can only know two points from God. And it's better to follow them two points with God than know every step that man's going to do. I mean, you know A through Z. Man can give you the plan A through Z. You know every plan. They got a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 25-year plan. They got a one-year plan. They got every plan. And he's like, whoo, this is like a good idea. And God will say, don't follow it. And then he'll tell you this. Come on, I'm going I'm to take you to a place. Where are we going, God? I'm just going to show you. He said, well, 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 God, where are we going? We're going north, south, east, or west. I'm just going to show you. Well, God, give me the plan. We're going to get there in a week, six days. We're going to get there in a year. How long? We're going to get there. I'm just going just gonna to go. Well, God, I'm over here, and I got A, I got B, I got C, I got land. I got my, my sheep are doing good. I'm selling. I'm making good money. He said, pack your stuff up. Let's go. Hold on, God. What do you mean? I'm gonna stay. I want to stay right here where it's comfortable at. I want to stay right here where I know where everything is going on. I want to stay right here because I got my life together. I know what I need to do and how I need to do it. I know if I get up at six, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to bed at eight. I mean, I got it all together. And God said, "Let's pack your stuff. Let's go. Come on, Abraham. Let's go. Where we going, God? A land. I'm gonna show you. A land. I'm gonna show you." Well, God, I need more than, than this. And you know how God is. He get quiet. I mean, he don't say nothing. I mean, God just be. Well, God, I need more. And God says, you got enough. 
Well, God, I already got this over here and everything is lined up. Come, go with me. See, that's walking by faith and not by sight. And then you got A through Z lined up and God had got just A. That's all he said. We're going somewhere. Well, God, I need more. Oh, well, you know. And the question is going to be, you going to follow man or are you going to follow God? I'm going, God, let me tell you, this stuff is challenging sometimes. Can I be real as a Christian? Sometimes this is challenging. Because you want more information from God. You want him to provide. But listen, you, 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 see, I can put scripture on God like this. Hey, God, you say you're going to supply every need according to this riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then God be like, I did. But God, I don't see nothing. That's why you walk by faith and not by sight. God, I need more. I need more in my chain account before I do this, that, and the other. <laughs> and then, almost like he'd be laughing at you sometimes, don't you? You ever look at your chain account and God be like, you're as happy as you want to be? You, you're in the perfect place. You're in the perfect place. You're in the perfect place. And you're like, well, God, I need some more money. Y'all never had a conversation with God, just be real with him, talking about, I just need more money. I don't need to be real deep with it. I don't need to be speaking tongues. I need God, God, I need some more money. And God, like, you got enough right here. Well, God, I, and then, then after you get it, he'll say, sow that in right there. Well, God, I ain't got but. Oh, God, you ain't never told God that. I'm probably the only one in the sanctuary and told God that. I ain't got but. And God was saying, sow that right there. Oh, God, I ain't got but. And then I start lining up my bills to him. Like he don't know where they are. <laughs> but God, you don't know I got this light bill, this, I got this cell phone bill, I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. And it was almost like God didn't know in the first place that you had that. I mean, you ain't never, and I be throwing scripture on God, you know, I just want to make sure you know God, because, you know, you'll say your word ain't going to turn back to your void. <laughs> Y'all know trying to manipulate the scripture like I do. Well, pray for us, because we need Jesus, okay? That's what I need. And I got to learn how to follow Jesus and not man. Everybody see that? And so now I, I'm asking the question, are you following men? Are you following Jesus? Are you following men? Are you following Jesus, and our main text, we'll listen to a conversation between Jesus, some Pharisees and scribes who were from Jerusalem. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes were religious leaders during that time. The scribes were knowledgeable in the Mosaic law and the sacred writings. They were deemed as professional writers and religious teachers. They often uh, would, would go through scripture, I mean, the book of the first five books of the Bible. We call the Pentateuch, from Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and so forth. And they would uh, scribe, scribes would be more like the writers of that particular day. The Pharisees were religious leaders. They had strong beliefs and really focused on outward observation of external rites and rituals such as ceremonial washings, fastings, prayers, and almsgiving. They pride themselves on their good works. Almgiving is what we consider like doing good toward others. Uh, I think that it was when Cornelius was praying, his almgiving came up as a memorial before God. So we know it's important. Now, let me say this to you. I'm not telling you not to do these things. I'm just saying be led by the Holy Spirit and do it with the right heart. Now, the Pharisees considered bitter enemies of Jesus and his, and his causes and he often rebuked them for their thinking, their ideas, 
and their actions in several scriptures. So we'll read Matthew 15 and 2. He says, why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not, interesting, wash their hands when they eat bread. Of all the things they brought up, they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. I mean, y'all think about that. Just leave that. I'm going to just let that ponder for a moment. Why do the disciples transgress? They go contrary. They violate, violate. They overstep the traditions, the ordinance, the writings, the generation teachings of the elders. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. We can see how the Pharisees and the scribes were getting personal with Jesus in a manner that was, uh, that was somewhat targeting him. Hey, your disciples ain't right. He was specific in identifying the folks who were going contrary to the elders, elders' traditions as your disciples. Notice how they put it. They, your disciples. I like the fact that they recognized that they were his disciples. I wonder if somebody follows around, would they know whether or not we're his disciples? Evidently, they were following. They had to follow. How you gonna know somebody gonna wash their hand? You really gotta be watching. Now, sometimes I go to ball games and a bunch of folks in there. I look at some folks, they go use the bathroom and walk out without washing their hand. I'm like, I'm not gonna shake that man's hand. I don't know who he is. <laughs> and it'd be real, that'd be me, okay? Because folks be in the stand getting high five and all kind of stuff like that. And I'd be like, I'm going to say, folks, because some folks go to the bathroom, they go right to the sink when they finish. Some folks use the bathroom and walk straight out. Then they might have hand sanitizer. I don't know. I'm just saying what I see. Some, I'm like I'm the only one that, that ever saw something like that. Pray for us, Lord. Pray for all of us. <laughs> and seeing how they bought the gnosis, they said, your disciples. Disciple is a learner a follower of the teachings, one who has decided to advance with or come after someone. They were, they came or they were following Jesus. They were so much like Jesus that the scribes and the Pharisees said, they are your disciples. That's good to me. I want somebody to say, hey, you follow Jesus so much, you just like him. You know, it's something when unsaved folks call you saved. Your co-workers, they should see a difference in your life. After about a week or two, they know you say. If they don't know you say, they know there's something different about you. Because you don't gossip on work. You don't cuss like everybody else do. You don't go drinking after work like they do. You are like his disciple. But when you get in the environment, do the people see a difference in you? Or do you just like the rest of them? And they got the rest of them there. In your school, do they see the difference between you and others? They should be, listen, one of the greatest compliments I get when somebody who's not saved work with me for a while and say, you know what? You must be saved. Because you know what? You ain't doing like we do. You know, you show up and you work as unto the Lord. But me, I clock in. And soon the supervisors turn their head. I'm doing what my own thing. I'm on my phone. I'm doing whatever else. But as soon as they, I hear to see the car pulling up, I start acting like I'm working. That used to be me right there. As soon as the supervisor showed up, boy, I was ready to go back to work. 
But when they weren't paying attention, I mean, when they were looking, I was working. When they weren't looking, but now I'm learning better. You work as unto the Lord. You work as unto the Lord. Listen, you got to put it down even when they there or when they ain't there. They could be, listen, they turn their back. You're still working as unto the Lord. Because you realize if the supervisor turned their back, God still got his eyes on you. And you say, God, I'm going to do this unto you. Because therefore, you won't get mad if they recognize you or don't recognize you. You won't get mad if they say, you know what? Uh, I don't like the job you're doing. So hold on. I've been doing the best I can do. You do it as unto the Lord. You do it as unto the Lord. Now, and seeing how they brought the elders in the conversation, let's take a closer look at the elders. And, of course, he wasn't questioning whether or not they should uh, go after the elders. We're going to look at the elders. We're going to look at tradition. Traditions are, are passed down to others who are gone, who have gone before us. There's man's traditions and there's God's traditions. Example of man's tradition, especially during the holiday season, is this, eating turkey at Thanksgiving. How many of you think that was, you had to eat turkey at Thanksgiving? I mean, it'd be real. So did I. I learned. Eat turkey because you want it. <laughs> if you don't want it, don't eat it. <laughs> uh, put decorations up at Christmas. Woo! Now I'm going to say something. Don't get mad when I say it. Some people on New Year's Eve, or is it New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, eat them collard greens and black eyed peas. Is that it? Because one of them represent the money, other represent the coins. Now, my young people let me, what you talking about, Pastor Dow? If they didn't have it, boy, they were like, whoa, we're going to be broke all year. Please. And then folks, boy, I'm telling you, and the grocery store will love those traditions, don't they? They'll make sure there are some collard greens and some black eyed peas in the stove. I'm like, hey, y'all, we, hey, these folks will come and get these uh, black eyed peas and corn. <laughs> they come, we'll make sure a bunch of them in here, too. And they will, too, boy. That makes sure a bunch of them in there. Eat them because you like them. If not, leave them alone. Eat where rich people eat shrimp, <laughs> filet mignon, eat stuff like that. I'm, I'm just kidding. Whatever you like, eat what you like. Do not base it upon the traditions of men. You like them, eat them. You don't like them, so what? You find somebody got some, eat them. You like them, you don't like them, don't eat them. Eat you a sandwich New Year's Day. It don't matter because this ain't got nothing to do with your blessings and your prosperity. If it does, someone's in bad shape, man. But let me, let me get out of that. Let me get out of that. An example of, of a good tradition is Joshua 1 and 8. Let's go there. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This book of the law should not depart or be removed from your mouth, but you should meditate, ponder on it, study it, speak it, and talk it day and night, 24 hours a day. Remember that 24-hour seed we talked about earlier? There's one way you can get it, that you may observe, to attend to, excuse me, depend to, keep, to take heed, to do, and protect all that is written there. For then you will make your way prosperous and think you will have good success. 
As you see, man's tradition and God's traditions are on two different levels. You have to be mindful of which one we're going to allow to influence us the most in our thinking, in our talking, and in our actions. We're about allowed to permit, to authorize, or enable us when it comes to our thinking, our talking, and our actions. Do we believe or have confidence in collard greens will make us prosperous and bring us success, or do we believe the word of God? Some people can't cook collard greens no way, so you know they in bad shape. And some people be busting their can over talking about they doing something. All right, let me get out of that. Let me get out of that. Let's go to Matthew 15 and 2. I know we're in there, but let's go to Matthew. Let's read again. I want to get us back to where we was at. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. They were students of the Mosaic law and the sacred writings, so they understood how important elders were to the religious world or the church. We must understand the importance of having elders in God's church as well. Go to Titus 1 and 5. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking. And appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Paul understood that elders would help with various needs in his church. Especially those things that were lacking when you appointed or designated or ordained elders in every church. In fact, we read over in Titus 1, 6 through 9. If a man is blameless, blameless is have to do with unreproved, unaccused, living righteously and upright before God, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dispensation or insubordination. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, not hospital, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. Holding fast the faithful words that has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. We need to pray collectively as a church that God will raise up elders in the church to meet needs that are lacking. Now, again, in 15 and 2, the elders and traditions were not the issue. But Jesus discerned in the hearts just like he knows our heart. He, he recognized something in them. That's why he took an indirect approach and responded to Pharisees and scribes by answering their question with a question. In other words, he had a reply that dealt with the situation of request, and he asked them for information. He said this in verse 3, Why do you transgress, violate, overstep, neglect, and depart, and turn aside from the commandments, the orders, or the charge of God's because of your tradition. Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? It's like when the Holy Spirit checks us by revealing your own personal truth about ourselves when we're busy trying to render judgment on someone else. I like Matthew 73. Go to Matthew 73 real quick. This kind of hit home for me. I'm just going to read it to you, but I, I still let us to look at it. Matthew 73 is, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? And Jesus, 
Jesus is plain. Here you are trying to look at your brother and what they're doing, but neglecting the very big thing that's going on in your own personal life. Why are you complaining and looking at the speck in your brother or sister's eye and you haven't even looked at your own self? That's one thing they'll keep you humble right there. You start looking at other folks and the Holy Spirit say, hey, why are you looking at everybody else? You ain't considering your own personal life. Why are you pointing fingers at everybody else, but you ain't considered the own mess you created in your own house? Or on your sit in your job or whatever. Why are you looking at the way they talk to somebody and you ain't considered the way you talk to people? Mm, got quiet right there. That must have been a good one. Why are you talking about their voice tone and your voice tone is nasty too? Why you consider the way they treat people when you treat people around you like you? He says, look at your own self. Look at your own self. Look at your own self. Boy, John 16, 13, clear, any. That's why I'm the spirit of truth. Truth, that which is true in any matter, under any circumstance, any situation pertaining to God and the duties of man has come. He will guide us, lead us, instruct us, and give guidance into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell us things to come. Yeah, you can be tempted to talk about somebody. At church, at work, at home, and somebody. But don't forget now, all that time you spend in talking, don't forget you got stuff going on in your own life too. Your attitude, your tone, your shortness, your anger, your issues you got going on. I didn't, I didn't realize it's not even good to talk about folks. Because as long as I talk about them, I know I got about 4, 5, 15, 20, 8, 85, 80, 9, 100, 45, 000, things going on in my life. That I need to deal with today. And so I'm, I got a thousand eight eight I need to deal with today. Here I'm looking at somebody got two. I got a thousand eight eight I got to deal with. Attitude, mindset. Listen, listen, some thoughts go on my head. I will share with nobody. Thank y'all for the five, amen. I, like you ain't got some stuff in your head. We, we definitely, I'm glad we got no television screen above y'all head printing your thoughts. If I had a television screen looking at y'all thoughts right now, I'd probably throw up, I'd get a baseball bat and knock all the screens out. I'm sorry, back up, dogs, back up. I don't want to see what's going on in your mind. I'm glad God knows our heart and not us. We, some of us would have no friends. Because we'd be nice to folk, but in, in the real, we were talking about, I wish that person would get out of my face. Look at that two-faced. That's why God, that's why God said, look at your heart. Look at your heart. Look at your heart. Look at your heart. The Holy Spirit keeps that mirror in front of us if we allow him to do so. He searches the heart. Go Jeremiah 17, 10. Or I might be on your sheet there. Jeremiah 17 and 10. We read this. We've been going over this. I'm going to read to you again. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Now, when God say he searched for something, he ain't looking for nothing. He already knows everything. The thing is, he's trying to reveal some stuff to us so we can see. Everybody understand that? When God say he searched for something, he, it's not search as we think of the word search. Because search means we haven't found something we're looking for. 
But searching God means he's trying to reveal stuff to us so we'll know some things about each other. You ever lost something you had to go search for? I mean, that's real, right? But the thing is, God knows where everything is. He don't lose stuff. And when we, listen, when he came looking for Adam, he knew where Adam was at. He wanted Adam to know where he was at. Adam had left the presence of God. Adam, you should be here, but you're not there. I know where you're at, Adam. I need for you to know where you're at. And when God is searching our heart, he needs for us to know where we're at more than we need to know ourselves. Because when we know where we're at, we can respond appropriately. We can change the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act when we know where we're at. Hallelujah. Now, in Matthew 15, he says this. These people draw me, draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. At times, our mouth and even our actions can look like we're close to Jesus. Because why? We're drawing near to me with the mouth, drawing near to him with the mouth. They're approaching him. They're coming near to him. And it it sounds good. And they honor him. They place in value and they reference him with their lips. But, he says, the heart is far from me. Notice the heart. The heart, the thoughts, the passions, the desires, the appetites, the purposes, the endeavors, the wills, the character is far from Jesus. Jesus, our omniscient God, our all-knowing God, powerful God, healer, deliverer, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. He knows our heart. When others may not. One thing I've learned, human beings do not know other human beings' full heart. And be honest with you, you really don't want to know it. Whatever God reveals to you, be good with that. Be good with that. Because this is, this is stuff now, as you get more mature, he'll allow you to see people's heart. But he'll show it to you in a way that you know how to deal with people. Not because it's some information, if God give it to you, you probably can handle it. Do you think the disciples, or excuse me, do you think the disciples knew Jesus, Judas's heart better than Jesus did? No way. Because Peter would have probably hurt Judas if he knew his heart. Y'all know Peter still carried a knife, don't you? And he knew how to use it. And he had not forgot how to cuss people out because he cussed people out before Jesus died. Can you imagine him thinking that he betrayed, if he knew that Jews, Judas would have betrayed him? Oh, he never would have made it. That's my opinion, but you know, take it what you want. That's what, but God knew his heart the whole time. So therefore, when he told him, hey, do what you got to do. Do what you got, because he knew his heart. He knew his heart. But don't you ever think Jesus don't know your heart. But he, he's not going to reveal your heart to everybody. He's got that, in it. He's got that information. And I'm glad God got it. Because God may not can trust me with your heart. And the problem be sometimes is that we give our heart to people God told us never to give it to. And then we get mad when they mistreat it. God never told you to give that person your heart. But there you go giving it to him. 
giving it to them, just, just laying it all out on the table. Lay, we talked about, and now, hold on, hold on. Before you, before you feel bad about yourself, everybody in the sanctuary and did at one point or another in their life. I, they can't point the finger at nobody. Talk about, well, oh, they shouldn't have did that. But what about the time you did it? And you will cry, Lord, get me out of here. I'm so sorry, God. I never should have tried. You told me, God. You showed me the fruit. You showed me that they were no good. But no, I, they were just so fine. I couldn't see past their mind. Or whatever you saw. I'm sorry. Let me finish this up. I really am on my last page. Give me just a few minutes. I'm about to finish this up. Y'all okay? I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. But I know y'all can handle it. Y'all can handle it, right? Amen. Now, that's why it's imperative that we make a daily decision. It's important to follow Jesus rather than influence a man. Understand something. What I define as man, any ideas, teachings, concepts, traditions, whatever it is, but it's contrary to the word of God. Basically, it's going to lead you away from Christ. But following men, following Christ, or those who follow Christ are going to lead you closer to Jesus. And that's what you want. You want people in your life that are going to lead you closer to Jesus. Now, will you have to have uh, business or school people or whoever? Yeah, you're going to deal with folks. Sometimes it'll be supervisors you have to deal with. That's life. That's life. And you follow them, you know, don't let them take you away from Christ. But you do what they ask you to do, as long as they don't take you away from Christ or violate your moral principles. Everybody's following me down? Supervisor say we're going to drink it after, after work. No, we ain't. No, we ain't. Everybody, I'm buying shots today. Well, buy me a shot of Coke, we'll be all right. But I, <laughs> probably, I ain't going nowhere. Probably, I ain't going to that atmosphere where they're buying shots. Let me be honest with you. I mean, that's just me, though. That's just me, because I'm following Christ. I'm following Christ. I'm following Christ. Let me give you one more scripture. Matthew 4, 19. It might be on your page. It may not be. If you're not, just turn a couple of pages back. Hit your phone back. Matthew 4, 19. Then he said to them, follow me. Those says, follow me, and I will make. I will make. I will produce. I will create, I will cause, I will prepare you, in this case, to be fishers of men. But I also believe this is also true. You follow him, he's going to make you not only a fisher of men, but he's going to make you a husband. He's going to make you a wife. He's going to make you a business owner. He's going to make you a better single. He's going to make you a homeowner. He's going to make you a car owner. He's going to make you debt free. He gonna make you the head and not the tail. He gonna make you an overcomer. He gonna make you, amen, all that God wants you to be. He gonna make you into what He wants you to be. Isn't it good to follow Jesus? So He'll make you to who He wants you to be. Woo! I think it's a good place to stop at. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. 
follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.